Welcome to Central Baptist Church Livingston. I want to be the first to welcome each of you to worship with us today. I'm so glad that each of you chose to be here. If you're new with us this morning, if you're visiting or if you're a guest, I'd invite you to come up to me or Pastor Sonny. Uh, just get acquainted. Also, if you see someone around you who's new, feel free to make them feel welcome here this morning. Also, if you're new, there's connection cards in the seat backs in front of you. If you wouldn't mind, please filling that out and turning it in at the end of the service. There's spots to do so at all the exits from the worship center. You can drop it off there so that we can connect with you a little further throughout the week. Also, if you have prayer requests, you can write them on that same card. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer before we continue to worship. Lord, thank you so much for the fact that our testimony is all full of your grace and your goodness. God, that we were undeserving, but you brought us from death to life, and there was nothing that we could have done ourselves to bring us there. God, 
you paid that price for us, Lord. And we, we sing you these songs, not just because we like to sing, not just because we like music, God, but this is our offering to you, our spiritual offering to you, God. We wish we had more to give you, but you've asked for our songs, you've asked for our praise, God, and so we gladly give it to you this morning. Lord, we declare the truth that you are a firm foundation, God. You're a solid rock upon which we can depend. God, when all else around us moves and shifts, God, we know that you're steady. So, Lord, I pray that our praises this morning would be genuine, that it would be a sweet sound to you. Lord, it's these things we ask in your name. Amen. Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand. Everything around me is shaking Well, I've never been more glad That I put my faith in Jesus He's never let me down He's faithful through generations So I would he
Lord, let this be our prayer tonight, today.
supporter when we're weak. You are our provider when we're needy. God, we want to sing that out to you. We sing Hosanna to you this morning. You deliver us.
Amen. When we come to the Lord in prayer this morning, I want to invite you to come forward. The rest of you can be seated. If you want to come and pray with me here at the front, hey, we're going to pray, but as you're coming to pray, I want to read from, uh, from God's Word. Um, you know, just a good reminder for us this morning, as we've been singing about the foundation of the Lord, the power of the Lord in our lives. Hey, listen, church, let's, we need to be reminded of, of what God wants us to be about. And listen to what it says in 1 John chapter 3. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. That's why we're here. We ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are the truth. Reassure our hearts before him. For whenever our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart. And he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, then we have confidence before God and whatever we ask, we receive from him. Because we keep his commandments and do what, he, what pleases him. And this is the commandment. That we believe in the name of the Lord and his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God, and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. Let's pray together this morning before we look at God's word. Lord, as we come to you again this morning, just on our knees, some of us seated, some of us, Lord, just in a posture of prayer this morning, we are thanking you. We thank you, Lord, that we have a reason to sing, a reason to worship, a reason, Lord, to just contemplate the lyrics of the songs that we've been singing. And know that, Lord, they're not just lyrics, they're not just words that make us feel good, but, Lord, they're convictions of our heart. God, when we come to you, we come to you with this assurance. We come to you, Lord, with this understanding that you are truth, truthful with us. You know, however you describe yourself and have revealed yourself to us, Lord, in your, in your word, has been experienced in our life. It's been experienced in our lives, but it's been experienced in the lives of others. God, we can point to, we can look to the power and the presence of your mighty son, Jesus, in the lives of other people and in our own hearts. So God, we thank you this morning for that. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you do live in us. As we just read a moment ago, it's what reminds us of who, who it is that has saved us, Lord Jesus. You, Holy Spirit, have spoken to us in our hearts. You have knit us together in love. And Lord Jesus, you have given us the greatest example of what love looks like by laying down your life for us. So Lord, we are here to worship you as we have already been doing. We're here also, Lord, to talk to you and for you to talk to us. Lord, we believe in you this morning. There's a lot in this world that people are believing in that, are fa that is false. It leads to empty places and disappointments, but you never disappoint. And God, the road that leads to you is always true. It is always right, even if it's difficult. And we are grateful this morning, Lord, that you stand with us. You are not a God who is somehow far off, distracted from us this morning and from our worship of you. You are here. You are uh, keenly aware of what's going on in our hearts. You hear our prayers. You see our worship. You know what's, Lord, our, what the genuineness of our worship of you. God, you also see us for who we are believers and followers of Jesus Christ in this room and unbelievers in this room alike. We are gathered here because you've led us here to this moment, to this time, to this place. 
and we are thankful for it, God. We find encouragement being with other Christians, for those of us who are Christians. We find, Lord, hope for those of us, Lord, who are not believers in this room. We find joy, and we find something that, Lord, matters, something that lasts, something of purpose and meaning in life, God. You have revealed that to us. You've shown that to us. We see it in people around us. And for many in this room, we see it in our own hearts. We have tasted and seen that you, Lord, are good. You are perfect. You are righteous in every way. You are not like us. You are not like this world. And we worship you for that, God. We're also, Lord, just repentant of our sin. We confess to you things in our hearts and our lives, God, that are just not right. You see us for who we are. So, Lord, Lord, when you look into our hearts, would you expose the things that, Lord, are incompatible with the righteousness that we see in Jesus, the righteousness that we see in your word. We repent of our sins this morning, God. As David spoke to you, we speak the same words, that you would give us clean hands and you would give us a pure heart. God, that you would, Lord, speak into our hearts. Move us to faith. We need faith this morning. We need courage this morning. We know your Holy Spirit's the only one that can give that to us. God, would you open our eyes and open our ears? Would you open our hearts and receive the things you want us to see and hear? Already this morning, you've been speaking into our lives through music and through the encouragement of others around us. But Lord, you have a word for us this morning from your word. And Lord, we just pray that you, Lord, would open our hearts and eyes and give us the faith to believe and act upon the things that we hear and see each and every week. God, we pray that we would be a people of faith, not by sight. Not, Lord, believing in something that we can tangibly see all the time, but, Lord, understanding and knowing that, Lord, what you have said is all we need. How you've revealed yourself to us is all we need. For we have your word in front of us, your word that never returns void. It is powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts to our hearts. It encourages us but it also convicts us and it moves us to a place, Lord, that brings glory and honor to you when we follow it. And so we give this time to you. We pray for your hand to be upon us. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be upon us, that you would find us an obedient people, teachable, hungry, humble, willing before you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good morning once again. I can't sing like that up on this stage, y'all. I can't do that, but I can open the Bible for you, and I want to encourage you this morning to take a Bible and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke, you remember last Sunday morning we completed our series in the, uh, the book of Joshua, and I'm excited because we're going to have a, a couple series, two or three series this summer uh, that we're going to kind of walk through during the summer months here, which are very short already. It's already almost the middle of June, but and then we're going to move into a new book of the Bible later this fall or into the fall. But this morning, we're going to look this week and next week in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 12, at two stories or two parts of God's Word here. As we consider um, a little series just this week and next week called Healthy Hearts, we're going to be looking at Christian stewardship. You know, every Sunday we highlight and we talk about um, financial giving. We do that at the end of our service uh, it is a fundamental part of the Christian life. It's something that is extremely important in the Christian life. It's a discipline in which we, we follow and we live by. And we also are in the midst of the budget season, if you know that. Our fiscal year begins July 1, just a few 
weeks away. And this morning and next Sunday, the kind of the summary of the budget is in the lobby for you to pick up. And then next Sunday night, we'll have our members meeting and we'll have a time for Q&A before we vote later in the, uh, in the month. And so it's a good time of year, you know, here in the month of June to look at what God's Word says about how to have a healthy heart. You know, the Bible talks a lot about financial giving, money, possessions, stuff. In fact, Jesus, the topic that he discussed the most of all the things that he talked about here on earth, he talked about stewardship. He talked about money, possessions, our stuff more than any other topic. And so that's a pretty important thing for Jesus to talk about. And there's a reason for why he talks about these things so much. Because oftentimes our hearts and what's going on in our heart relate to our possessions, relate to our stuff, relate even to our time and the things that we build into our lives. And so the question really we're coming to this morning, we're going to answer over the next several minutes as we look at this story together is how does the health of our hearts relate to the stuff that we own? How does the health of our hearts relate to the stuff that we own? We understand that, you know, the, the, the heart is the real you. Okay? I mean, you can come in here on a Sunday morning and you can, you can dress up and you can put a smile on your face. You can walk around, you can live your life, and, and, and yet at the same time, that's not the real you, right? We know that. I know that. I can look in the mirror and I can say, that's not the real me. The real me, the real you, is what's who you are internally, your soul, who you are and how you think, uh, what, what, what formulates the decisions in your life. It is, it is the affections of your heart. It's the soul of your life, right? It's where the spirit, not the big S, but the little S resides. It's your spirit. It's who you are. It's what you think about. It's what formulates your values and your conclusions and which then lead to the decisions that you make or lead to the words that you say or lead to the actions that you commit, right? That's the real you. And what God says is he sees directly into our lives. It's like, you know, and, and the thing about it is our soul and our hearts, they can be unhealthy and they could be really healthy. It's like a piece of fruit, right? When you take a big apple and you buy it at the store, you get this big honey crisp apple and you go to the store and you're like, that's the one, I want that one. And then you look at it, it looks incredibly nice on the outside, but what you don't know sometimes, because it's kind of, it's a guess, is that you open this big apple and you cut it open, you begin to eat it and you realize sometimes once in a while it's rotten to its core. What you didn't know is there was some sort of imperfection going on internally inside the piece of fruit. Our hearts are the same way. It can be healthy and they can be unhealthy. And there are some things you know, related to our possessions and our stuff end up and sometimes touch those things or impact those things in a, in a tangible way to lead us to healthy hearts or sometimes to unhealthy hearts. They both affect each other. Jesus said it this way when he comes to, over in Matthew chapter 6, he says this phrase, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, what you value the most, what you think about the most, what you spend the most time dwelling on, that's where your true heart is. The affections of your heart. So we talk about the affections of our heart, whether they're towards Jesus or towards our stuff or our time or us or other people or our kids or grandkids or our spouse. The affection of our heart is where our treasure is. That's what Jesus is saying. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The thing, here's what I know. God gives us blessings. He provides for us blessings, possessions, stuff, time, money, life, 401ks, retirement, all of these kinds, inheritances, all of these things, right? But if we're not careful, sometimes the blessings can become hunters of your heart. 
The blessings that God gives us can sometimes become hunters of our hearts. If we're not focused, if we're not devoted to the things that God wants us to be devoted to. You know, when you have an unhealthy grasp of the things that you have, the possess, the things that you live your life with, then it can destroy your life. If you don't have an, a good, healthy grasp of the things that God has blessed you with, whether you're a Christian in the room or not, if you have an unhealthy grasp of the things in your life, it'll destroy you. Just ask anyone who has multiple, multiple millions of dollars in the world today who does not love the Lord Jesus Christ with their life. You ask them if they're happy. You ask them if they have joy. You ask them if they have found the meaning and the purpose and true life. And they will tell you no. vast majority of them will tell you no, right? It's going to control you. It'll leave you pursuing something that in the end will turn out to be meaningless and empty. Here is what I want to convey to us this morning. And this is God's, what God's word is going to say to us today. The Lord shows us a better way. And what he shows us is that if we pursue him over the, or possessions or stuff or money in our life, if we pursue him, it will lead to a truly rich life. It'll lead to a truly rich life. If you pursue him over the possessions and money and stuff in your life, then the direction or the destination it will lead you to is a truly rich life. This story here in chapter 12, beginning in verse 13, is really an amazing story. And what it is is about is about the poorest rich man. It's about the poorest rich man. I mean, look at your Bibles with me in verse 13. What's happening here in chapter 12 leading into the story of 13 is what happens beginning in verse 1 of chapter 12. If you look back at verse 1, look at, look at that verse with me in your Bibles. It says, in the meantime, when so many thousands of people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, he began to say to his disciples, first, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. So the background, the backstory of what's happening here is that Jesus is in a crowd of people, thousands upon thousands of people. It used to be, remember Black Friday? Remember that? Now we do Cyber Monday and, you know, we sit at our computers and we order everything online, right? But remember, there was a date, young people, younger than me, 30 years ago, 25 years ago, is that people would be like fighting each other over TVs at Walmart. Think that here in verse 1, Okay. You know, they're fighting over trying to get access to Jesus, fighting, fighting over trying to get time with Jesus, getting face-to-face -face with Jesus. And what Jesus is doing is he is juxtaposing the, 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 the understanding of what the Pharisee is and how the Pharisee thought and how the Pharisee believed, what the Pharisee believed, the religious leaders of the day, with himself and with a righteous living, a, life, a way of living, a righteous way of thinking. And this is what Jesus does in our life. Jesus doesn't come to fix your life. He doesn't come to improve your life. He comes to turn it upside down. Jesus comes and rearranges and realigns your entire life. He turns upside down the American dream. He turns upside down every aspect of our life in every respect. And this is what he was doing then, and this is why so many people were so drawn to him. He, yes, he was performing miracles, but it was also what he was saying, and he had command over what he was saying. And he was so different than the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders of the day that had so much influence on the people of God in Israel. And so this is the kind of the backstory or the backdrop of what's happening here. And that makes this story in verse 13 
even more amazing. Look at the story with me. Verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now I'm going to ask you this question. He comes to, this, this man comes to Jesus, and he's got five seconds with Jesus. If you had five seconds with Jesus, what would you ask him? What would you say to him? This man has five seconds with Jesus. He's like fighting through the crowd, and then finally he gets his question out. It's like the, the White House press corps when they're all shouting and yelling at the president, and then finally the president may answer one of those questions. It's like, yes, I can't believe I got, I got my question answered. This is, the, this is what's happening here in the story. Verse 13, the thousands of throngs of people are there, and, and finally he gets a question through. Five seconds with Jesus, what does he ask him? He asks him for more money. He's like, hey, tell my brother who has all the inheritance to split it with me, I'd like to have more money. That's what he wants Jesus to do. Hey, you've got command over the scriptures. You've got command over all these things. You can heal. You can, you can you know, bring sight to the blind. You can, you can, you can bring uh, those who are deaf to the point where they can speak again. Hey, you can bring people back from the dead. Hey, will you ask my brother to give me half of what, what I'm owed? That's what he asks. Five seconds with Jesus. This is what this man's known for in the Bible. No, thank you. But this is what happens here in verse 13. Someone in the crowd says to him, Teacher, my brother, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. It's a misplaced question, if you will. Um, and comment to Jesus, towards Jesus. And watch how Jesus responds in verse 14. He says, But he said to him, Jesus said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? Verse 15. And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Now, there's two things going on here in the story. Because you see, he's locked in on this one individual who is speaking to him and asking him for this request or this question. But once he hears this, he answers him back. There is the crowd, and then there are the disciples. And right there in verse 15, he shifts. And he uses the question, he uses the comment there in verse 14 to then turn to his disciples in verse 15 and have it as an opportunity to teach his disciples and pour into them. And this is why it says there in verse 15, and he said to, not him, but to what? Them. Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. And so Jesus turns and lays out the principle. And the principle there in verse 15 that he's going to overarch, or teach over, overarching, the overarching principle rather that he's going to teach to his disciples is there in verse 15. And the principle is simply this, take care. In other words, pay attention to something. Be on guard against. In other words, watch, protect, look out for. What? Look out for greed. Watch your heart. Pay attention to your heart. Pay attention to what's going on inside of your mind and your heart that's leading to the decisions in your life, right? Be on guard against greed. And then he addresses life in verse 15. Look at verse 15 and what it says. It says, on guard against all covetousness. Now look at the last part of verse 15. For once, what? Life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. What's Jesus talking about here? He's not talking about human life, the heart beating. He's talking about life, right? In other words, what gives us life, what gives us joy, what, what gives us peace, the, the things that, meet, that lead to satisfaction and security and, 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 and the things that we really want. 
I mean, the, at the end of the day, and what, what it boils down to is we don't really want the big home. We don't really want all the money. We don't really want the big cars and the big boats. I mean, we like to have those things, but that's not what really matters. I mean, if you had the, the, the decision or the choice between really joy and true contentment and happiness and, and peace in your life and the toy over here, well, you're always going to choose this over here. That's what we really want, and that's what's really going on in our hearts and what we really desire to have. And then look at verse 16. Because this is what Jesus does. He takes this parable, this little story, that he lays alongside a biblical truth. That's what a parable is. Jesus would lay out the principle, or he would end with the principle, and he would, would take this story, this little story, or this what's called parable, and would lay it alongside a biblical truth that Jesus was trying to teach. And this is what he does. Verse 16, he begins to tell the man or tell the disciples this story. It's a fictitious story, but it's a story that leads to the main point. That's what he says. It says, and he told them a parable saying, verse 16, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, hmm, what should I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. He said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods, and I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? The man had everything in the story, didn't he? Verse 16, he had all the, the money that God had given him. He was rich. In the eyes of God, God had given him all kinds of material possessions. He'd given him all kinds of land, but it wasn't just land. It was fruitful land. It was profitable land. I mean, he had really good soil, and he had really good rain, and it produced incredible crops. And, 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 and he had all of these possessions, and he had all of these things that everything he wanted, he did not go without. It wasn't anything he needed that he didn't have already. That's how the man, Jesus says, is depicted in the story there in verse 16. He had everything. And then he begins to think to himself. Now, there's where you stop right there. He begins to think to himself. Heart, soul, decision-making. All starts here, right? Doesn't start out here, starts here. He begins to think to himself, hey, he's had a really good year. I mean, the crops are really producing. Things are really multiplying. I've got all of this stuff, but what I don't have is this. I don't have barns big enough to hold it. And so he says to himself, and he thinks to himself, you know what? I'm going to, in this dilemma that he has, I'm going to tear down my barns. I'm going to build bigger barns, right? Because this is what we do as human, in human nature. He builds bigger barns, more stuff, fill up his stuff. And in the end, what does he say? At the end, at the end of the story, he's thinking to himself, you know what? Now I can eat, drink, and be merry. I can relax. I can kick back because then God has been good to me, and I'm just going to keep building things around me. Problem solved, right? The answer is no. Problem's not solved for the man in his own heart. What Jesus' point is, what he's trying to say is the problem existed, the dilemma existed, but the real problem in the man's heart was that he had misordered his life. He didn't consider what the Lord wanted him to do with the excess that God had given him. And there's multiple things here that he does. He begins to think too highly of himself. Notice in the story how Jesus depicts him. He sees these crops as his crops, his stuff. His grain, his goods, in verse eight, 18. Then he hoards the blessings that God had given him, right? 
And then thirdly, what does he do? He begins to have a high view of himself. His view of himself begins to increase. What I would ask you to do is this. Just take verses 16 through the story that we just read and just notice the word I and how many times you see it. What does it say? Verse 16, I'll read it for us and highlight it for us. The land of a rich man produced plentifully, and he thought to himself, what shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this, and I will tear down my barns and, and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grains and my, my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. He thought really highly of himself. And there were multiple problems in his life, right? He thinks too highly of himself. He sees all of, everything that he has is his. He begins to hoard everything that he has and build bigger barns for himself. And then he just, his view of himself continues to increase. His pride continues to go up. And the problem in the man's heart was that he didn't ask the Lord what he wanted him to do. And stay with me. Because the problem with the man is not that he doesn't care about his heart. In fact, he speaks to his heart, doesn't he? He speaks to his own soul. Look at the verse again. Verse 19. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for yourself. He speaks to himself, his soul, his own soul. He speaks to his own heart. He's thinking and he's contemplating in his own life. He really cares deeply about his soul and about his heart. But he has no joy. Misunderstood how to take care of his heart. He thought that the pathway to the things that he receives there, that he thinks he's perceiving to have in verse 19, to relax, eat, drink, and be merry. He thinks the pathway is to have more things, to build bigger barns, to fill those bigger barns with more stuff. And that's when God steps in, in verse 20. You notice that? And so he has this high view of himself. His perception of himself is continuing to go up, and then God steps in, in verse 20, and calls him what? A fool. Because he's blinded <clears throat> by his own ambition. He's blinded by his own greed. He's blinded by his own covetousness. And he does not even fully understand or realize it. The man had wasted his entire life pursuing possessions and pursuing something that will not last, temporary things. He had pursued all of these things. And so Jesus says, listen, the man has the wrong focus. Look at verse 21. He comes back full circle. Jesus comes out of the story, then looks at his disciples and says, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Lays up treasures for himself, but he isn't rich towards God. He's chasing after the wrong things. He's got the wrong focus I love the book of Proverbs. When I think about this story, I think about the book of Proverbs. And when I think about Proverbs, there's so many Proverbs that we could point to. And there's the source of wisdom in our lives, right? But if you look at Proverbs and you research Proverbs and you read through it, what you'll find is that proverb after proverb that you begin to read, that there are actually nine things that Proverbs actually points out and speaks to that are more important to gain than material wealth, possessions, money, all of those things. Just listen to these things. Integrity, greater than money and possessions. Solomon says, go get those things. Honesty, the fear of God, wisdom, a good name. To have a good name is better than possessions. To have a good name is better than money. To have a good name is better than building up your own kingdom, right? Righteousness is worthy to pursue. Love is worthy to pursue. Knowledge is worthy to gain. It's better than riches, Proverbs says. In fact, coming out of Proverbs chapter 3, we know the famous story here in Proverbs chapter 3. It says this. It's going to say this. 
Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. We're familiar with these verses. And in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing for your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Now watch this. Look here in verse 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your, of your produce. Why? Then your barns will be filled with plenty. You see how God flips up, flips around our minds and our hearts? We think that the pathway of joy and peace and contentment is found with bigger barns and more stuff. What God says is, no, you honor me. You honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your other produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. God flips it on its head, turns it on its head. Jesus is turning on its head the, the, the way in which we gain somehow this peace, this contentment in our lives. You know what's a guaranteed way to waste your life? It's when you cling after other things that God, than God in your life. When you're pursuing things in your life other than the Lord in your life, that's a surefire way and it's a fast track to wasting your life. It just is. I mean, listen to what it says in Luke chapter 9, verse 25. It says this, what does it profit a man, Jesus says, to gain the whole world and to do what? Lose his heart or lose his soul, forfeits himself. All of it, right? Luke chapter 9, verse 25. The problem with the man wasn't that he had things. The problem was it, was the, with the man wasn't that he had a lot of grain. The problem with the man wasn't that he had success. Listen, in our room today, there are people that make very little money that you're on a fixed income. And then some of you are sitting here with large inheritances that you didn't make, but that was inherited to you, or you've had a successful business. And so you, or businesses that have produced for you a lot of money or possessions or land or stuff. God doesn't say that those things are wrong. In fact, he's the one who gave them to us. So that's how we know it's not wrong. It's how we view and how we treat and how we think and how we process those things in our hearts is when we get in trouble. When they become hunters of our hearts is when we elevate them higher than the Lord Jesus Christ in our life. And so the problem with the man wasn't that he had stuff. The problem was how he viewed his stuff and what he was pursuing there in the story, in the little parable that Jesus speaks about. It wasn't that he had this the, the, the problem in the man's heart was he had this unhealthy grasp of his stuff. He saw it as a means to an end. He saw that if I have bigger barns, if I have more grain, if I have more stuff, it will lead to a, a healthier life, to a great life, to happiness and peace and joy. So listen, what, is the guy, what does the Bible say? How do we order our lives properly? Is what God says to us this morning out of the story is that we're to pursue the Lord over possessions. And when we pursue the Lord over our possessions and over our stuff, it's going to lead to a truly rich life. We think that pursuing things leads to a rich life. But God flips that on its head and says, no, you pursue me. So how do we pursue the Lord in our life? Well, I'll tell you this. I think first and foremost, we be careful with the things that God gives us, right? God gives us things, to, he blesses us with stuff. He gives us time, he gives us health, he gives us money, he gives us homes or multiple homes. He gives us all of these things. And we're to be careful with those things. That they not become more important in our life than the Lord himself in our life. You say, well, I don't have a lot. Well, I can assure you this, you have more than the average person on earth. 
Do you know what the average person on earth, the value or the, um, uh, the value or, or uh, the per capita of the person on earth is valued at if they sold all their assets? Just over $8,000. That's what the average person around the world is worth. So if you got more than $8,000 in the bank, or if you sold your house, you know, or your car, your boats, and all that stuff, you had more than, guess what? You're wealthy. Doesn't matter if you're on a fixed income than most of the people in the world. It's all perspective. We have some that make more, some that make less. Those who make more in the room pale in comparison to the multi-billionaires around the world, right? You don't, even, you don't even understand that world, I don't either. It's all perspective. God says it doesn't matter if he's given you $5 or $500 million. It's all in how you steward it. It's all in how you think about it. So we're to be careful with what God gives us and how we are to steward. So God's speaking to all of us in the room, whether we're the, on the fixed income who make very little money or we have a lot of money in the bank or we have lots of assets that if we sold them would, 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 would you know, uh, create for us a lot of wealth. So we're to be careful. I think second of all, though, that we begin to, to base our decisions not on what our will is, but on what God's will is. So this is how I'm supposed to think. I'm supposed to think about the things that God gives me, and when he blesses me, inheritance or what have you, then I begin to think in terms of how can I invest in something, or how can I do something that's going to invest in something that is kingdom-minded, that is going to last long before I'm gone. I begin to think about those things. That's how I invest my time, my money, my resources, my possessions, all of these things. God then blesses me, then my first question is not to go build bigger barns. The question is, okay, God, why did you give me this? Is there something specific or unique that you want me to do with this in my life? First. And I begin to think and begin to have this kind of kingdom mindset about my things and my stuff and my possessions. And that's not humanistic, that's spiritual. God uses his Holy Spirit in my heart to train me and teach me to do these things. I think back at the story in verse 13, the problem again with the man was not that he had, that rather was that he had a healthy, unhealthy grasp of his stuff. What he didn't realize was he didn't own anything. He didn't own the grain that was growing in his fields. He didn't own the fields that... He harvested. He didn't own the barns that he was building and tearing down and building bigger ones. He didn't even own his own life. God had given him his own life. He began to think that the things that God had given him were now his things. And when we begin to think about the things that God's given us as our things, or the successful small business that you have built as your business, God can take it away in a moment. All of these things God gives us are his he has blessed us with them. He has given them to us. He allows the, the, the heart in my chest to beat. He, just take a breath. That breath that you breathe has been given to you by God. The time that he's given you here on earth, the money that he's given you, the possessions that he's given you, the homes that he's given you, the, the toys that we play with, right, that, uh, that I have, you have, all of us have, all of it has been given to you by God. Steward it well. That's the principle that God is trying to get us to understand. To be rich towards him. So we're to be careful. Make our decisions, not based on what we want, but based on the will of God. Sometimes God's going to tell you to give things up. He is. Sometimes God's going to tell you to share things with others. Remember the passage we read a moment ago in 1 John chapter 3? See your brother in need, meet his need. Sometimes God's going to say, 
give up something, sell it, give it away. Sometimes he's going to say, go share this with others. You know, whatever God is saying, if I begin to ask the question first, Lord, what do you want to do with what you have given me? Help me to be good steward and to be the conduit for the blessings that you've given to me in my life. That's the question I begin to ask in my heart. Sometimes he's going to say, give up things. Sometimes he's going to say, share things. Sometimes he's going to say, give things away. I mean, principal in our own home, we raised four boys, are raising four boys, not all of them, some of them are still left in the home. But over the years, especially when our boys were all young, what did we do? We accumulated toys, we accumulated stuff, clothes, all kinds of stuff. And over the years, you know, the toys would change season after season. The little young toys moved to bigger toys and so forth. Did we keep all that stuff? Did we hoard it? Did we say, okay, we're going to hold on to it and just hold on to it and hold on to it? There is no way. Some of you are grandparents out there and you're like, you know, I raised my kids and I'm holding on to some things, but I'm not holding on to all their stuff. They can buy their own stuff, right? We give it away. We over the years gave them to younger parents who had younger children, things like that who needed them, right? All of that was there to train our hearts, to train our home. I think this is what giving does for us in our hearts. I mean, financial giving, when we give our things, we give money to tithes and we give to specific offerings. What God's doing with that is he's using it to train our heart, to force our heart, to make our heart trust him. Make our heart trust him. But then he's also using it and multiplying it to invest in kingdom things and things he wants to do. Does he need money? No, he doesn't need money. Of course he doesn't need money. It's just paper. It's just metal. It's just numbers on a computer screen. But what he does is he uses that to, to do things, to multiply things, to reach people for Christ. He does that in our own hearts to train our hearts so that our hearts, the blessings that he has given to us, would not come hunt down our hearts, but we would in turn use that to invest in bigger things. And you know what? As we learn from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, one of the things that we learn from the people that are there that Paul highlights and, and, and praises is that the men, the men and women, the families, the children, the teenagers that gave in 2 Corinthians 8, it says that they gave willingly. They didn't give out of their abundance. They gave sacrificially. They didn't give because they could afford to give. They gave because they could afford not to give. Because the things that they had could hunt down their hearts. And so they continue to give and give and give willingly, you know, uh, cheerfully. They gave sacrificially in, in every respect. I want to be that kind of person. And I'm always having to fight that. We always are having to fight that. The man here in the story had an unhealthy heart. It left him spiritually poor. Heart drifts towards greediness every time it does. Our hearts drift towards ourselves every time. What it'll do is it'll leave you anxious. It'll leave you to a place of taking matters into your own hands and not trusting in the Lord. It, it, it will lead you to a place of no contentment or peace or false security, thinking all the possessions and the money around you has somehow given you security when the Lord, the, the, the the Lord is our strength. He's our fortress. It's not our money. It's not our stuff. All of these things. But in the story, it left the man greedy. How do I guard my heart? 
How do I order my life so that I can become rich and truly rich in life and rich towards God? Pursue the things that make you rich towards God. Pursue the things that Proverbs points out, right? Things like integrity and honesty and having the fear of the Lord, wisdom, knowledge, having a good name, pursuing peace, righteousness, love. You pursue those things and you'll become rich towards God. You pursue those things and you'll find true contentment and joy in life. And then give faithfully. We're going to talk next Sunday in this little two-week series about how, what does the Bible say about giving faithfully? Right here in Luke chapter 12, Jesus is going to come back to this idea of where your treasure is or your heart will be also, right? Investing in internal things. We give faithfully. So we, we pursue the things that make us rich towards God. We follow, or rather give faithfully, and then we follow his will for those things that he wants you to pursue. Here's the promise. The promise is that he will give you a truly rich life. You'll have a blessed and a fruitful life. And this is how God speaks into our life and he challenges us. You see, the only way we understand how to do that is through our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, think about what the Bible says and what God has done for us. How do you learn how to give? How do you learn how to love? How do you learn how to submit to his will, to God's will? You learn it through the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, without the Father giving his own son the greatest gift he could ever give to us, our Lord Jesus Christ, then we have no understanding of what it means to give and truly give to the Lord. But he has given us his greatest gift, hasn't he? And that is the model for which we live by and go by. In the room today, there are those of us who are Christians, and then there are some of us who are not believers yet, not Christians. God is not here because he wants you to give him more money. He's not here because, in, in, don't take away that God wants you to give more possessions to him. All of that comes by way of, first and foremost, you giving your heart to him. You give your heart to him. And you submit your will, and you bow your will to his will. And you allow Jesus Christ to come into your life and to be your Savior and your Lord. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You turn away from your sins and you begin following him. He gives you the strength to be able to do that. And you follow Jesus with your heart. I want you to bow your heads with me and close your eyes. No one looking around. The Bible says that very thing to us that if we will surrender our lives to him, give our life over to him, then he will come into our life and he will change us. He will shape us. He will mold us. He will give us peace and he will give you that true contentment and joy. I love the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus had so much money because he swindled so many people out of it. He lied, he cheated, he stole from people. But then he met Jesus. You know the story, him up in the sycamore tree, he comes down and Jesus says, I'm going to your house today. When he gets to Zacchaeus' home, Zacchaeus tastes love for the very first time. And that day he believes on the Lord Jesus Christ and his life is changed. He gives away half of what he has 
He goes and repays his debts and all the people that he swindled. How does a man do that? Because he was, he was first and foremost touched by the grace and the mercy of God. And what I'm saying to you all of us this morning, if you give your life to Jesus, you will understand true mercy and grace and forgiveness and restoration. So with your heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, let me pray for us. And we're going to stand and sing a song together. If you want to come and join our church, you come. If you want to come and be baptized, you come. And we'll start that conversation about what it means to be baptized. If you want to come and give your life to Jesus Christ, I'll be here at the front. We're going to stand and sing a great song, Hymn of the Faith. And you come and we will talk to you about any decision that you want to make in your life. This These stairs are always open for you to come and pray. Talk to the Lord about any matter. I'm willing to talk to you, talk with you, with him about any matter just through prayer. But I'm going to pray for us this morning. And then you have the courage to come. God, thank you for your, your word. Thank you for how you, Lord, challenge our thinking. How you, Lord, lead us to a place of having our hearts ordered in the right way. That, Lord Jesus, you would be first and foremost in our lives. Everything else is secondary Everything else pales in comparison to you. We have been singing to you. We have been praying to you. We have seen your word point us to you. We're here to worship you one last time. God, give us the courage to say yes to you this morning with the decisions that you're trying to make, that you're calling us to make in our life. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Let's sing, and you have the courage to come this morning. God leads you. My God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the world's hands at me, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displays in my soul. You can be seated this morning. 
Hey, listen, um, we're going to give today, as we've been talking about in the service, at the end of the service, at the end of our announcement time, you can give here in person, you can go online, you can drop it off at the church office, but let's be faithful to give our tithes as well as any offerings that we want to give throughout the year um, to, uh, to be faithful to, uh, to give to the Lord's work, okay? So I want to mention that this morning. A couple other announcements, and we're going to pray for that, uh, that offering in a minute before we leave today. But a couple other announcements, i got several for you this morning, okay? I want to mention this morning that uh, we've got an um, uh, opportunity for you to serve in our worship ministry. You see the folks behind us, both in the choir, the band, the media team, um, we've got several people that are involved in that. And if you want to be a part of the, of the worship team, there's a place for you. If you play an instrument or sing and would like to be a part of that or can work in our technical aspects up in the media booth and the sound booth, we need you. I can assure you of that. And so you can see Austin right behind me, and he'll get you connected with, uh, with exactly where you need to go, okay? want to mention that this morning. Also, 11 o'clock, right after our service today, we will have a membership class, which is right through those doorway across the way over in that room, the choir room over there. And I teach that. We'll be talking about all the ins and outs of Central Baptist Church. So if you're a member or if you're visiting or you are wanting to join our church, you can attend that today at 11 o'clock and uh, hear more about Central. We'd love, love to get a chance to know you a little bit more there. Don't forget, right, this is budget season for us. And so the, uh, the summary of the budget is out in the lobby today, both today and next Sunday. And then next Sunday night at our members meeting, we will have a Q&A. If you have any questions about the budget, the finance committee will be there, um, as well as myself, and answer any questions that you might have. And then on the 25th of June, which will be the end of the service, we will have just an up or down vote, the end of uh, uh, the service on the 25th, which is the last Sunday of this month. July 1 is when our fiscal year begins. So we've been very busy and very proud of all the people that have been involved in that, that budget and all the conversations that have been had. They've worked really hard to get all of that done. So all of that to be said, that's the timeline. So make sure you uh, have those dates down, those times down, okay? Hey, what's coming up in a few weeks? Vacation Bible School. Look at the claps. There you go. Look at Francie's clapping. Yeah. July 10th through the 14th, we got VBS coming up. We need you to register. We've got over 70 of you are volunteering to serve in VBS. Praise the Lord. I'm so proud of you for volunteering and committing to be a part of that. But we need, uh, we need your grandkids. We need your kids. We need your neighbors in the community. Invite them to come to VBS. They will hear about Jesus Christ. They will get the gospel shared to them. They have already started being prayed for. We just need you to have the courage to walk across the street and say, hey, I need you to come to VBS with me, okay? And so that's coming up in just a few weeks. We've got a couple events that are coming up. We are going to do a blitz in our community. Um, we've got a prayer walk as well over the facility. We'll be praying for our campus um, throughout that coming week, leading up to that coming week. So there's a couple things that you'll hear about uh, next weekend, um, specific dates related to that. So that is coming up, but we need you to register. Register and what? register for VBS so we can plan and, pre and prepare. Okay, the last thing I wanted to uh, mention tonight, uh, this morning, not tonight, is that we got an event coming up that we're trying to put together. I know it's last minute, so don't, don't at me. Don't come at me. July the 2nd, 6 o'clock, that's a Sunday evening in just a few weeks. We're going to try to have a, um, we have a choral night of worship planned. we got some quartets going on. It's going to be in the family center across the street. And then what we're going to try to do, if folks can, uh, can do it, we need your classes. If you, as a Bible study class or something, want to be a part of that, we need people to cook. 
Um, we're going to have some just games outside that evening. We're just going to have kind of a fellowship at the same time. Six o'clock Sunday evening. Yeah, I know it's Fourth of July weekend, but if you are in town, you're going to be there that morning, and you can come that night. Come see me. You can also see Austin, but, um, but let me know if you can and want, your class wants to be a part of a piece of that cooking, setting up, ice cream, watermelon, that kind of thing. We're going to do it across the street in the Family Center, all right? That'll be Sunday evening, July the 2nd at 6 o'clock, all right? And that is the last thing I want to mention to you this morning, all right? So with that said, let's stand and let's have a quick word of prayer, and we will be dismissed. Let's pray over our offerings and our giving for the day. If you see somebody you don't know, make sure you make a beeline for them and welcome them to Central this morning if you haven't already done so. So let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for the time that we've had to worship you this morning. The music, the preaching, God, of your word. Thank you for your word and spoken into our life. We thank you, Lord, for the teaching of your word and Bible study teachers on our campus. We thank you for the encouragement of your word and the truth that has been spoken in the hallways, just uh, as people have been spoken to and encouraged here today. God, we're not done because, Lord, we have a Bible study hour we're praying for. We're asking God for you to bless their small groups. Bless them, Lord, as they meet. And, God, that there would be great fellowship in those rooms, that your word would be taught very faithfully in those rooms, that we would do ministry towards each other and towards others out of these groups. But, Father, we thank you for the, the giving of uh, our financial giving. Thank you for the ways you have blessed us in so many ways. And God, we give back to you now our tithes and our offerings. Multiply them. Find us faithful to give, to trust you with all that we have. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.